Part 3, How to Change Behavior The tiny habit strategy is primarily used to develop new habits. However, as long as addiction is not involved, its principles can also be used to break unwanted habits. Fogg created the Behavioral Change Master Plan to change the behavior of individuals, which consists of the following three stages. The first stage is focusing on creating new habits. If you feel troubled by the long hours of playing on your phone at night, you must be thinking about how to restrain this behavior. But Fogg recommends that instead of making less phone use a goal at first, build new habits in hygiene, relationships, exercise, or anything else that is unrelated to your bad habit and allow you to perform better. You can cultivate them using the methods we described in part 2. After you make a series of positive changes, you will feel that you have now become a different person. Such a new identity can also help you become better, creating a virtuous circle. For example, when you develop the habit of exercising, you will feel that you are a person who loves sports, and you will be more willing to go out for a walk after getting off work at night rather than lie in bed and play on your phone. You see, you did nothing to change the bad habit, but when you develop good habits, the bad habit quietly disappears. Of course, some stubborn habits cannot be broken just by cultivating good habits. We need to confront them directly. However, with the experience of the first stage, the subsequent changes will be easier. Now let's look at the second stage, which is dedicated to ending old habits. Earlier we mentioned the three elements that affect behavior are motivation, prompts, and abilities. Developing a new habit involves increasing motivation, improving ability, and getting prompts, so changing habits is the reverse. That is, lowering motivation, reducing ability, and removing prompts. Before we go into detail, we need to identify the bad habit we want to stop. When it comes to ending a bad habit, people often target an abstract change, such as not eating junk food. This goal looks very specific, but it is a collection of habits, which Fogg calls general habits. General habits are hard to break, like unraveling a bunch of knots all at once. The daunting size of the goal makes it easy for us to get frustrated and scared and gives us reasons to avoid action. We can take a more effective approach by breaking down the change into specific habits one by one. You must untangle the rope step by step. We can use the swarm of behaviors technique to break it down. Write the general habit you want to end, and then list the specific habits that are embedded within. Let's take the general habit of eating too much junk food as an example. The specific habit includes smaller habits, such as buying breakfast at the gas station, eating a Snickers bar during your commute, eating three pieces of pizza for lunch, drinking coffee with sugar, eating french fries, and eating potato chips while watching TV. So, after you've listed your related specific habits, which one should you start with? A lot of people feel that the toughest one should be changed first, but Fogg disagrees. He says this is like trying to untangle the deepest and tightest knot in a rope at the beginning, which is very difficult to succeed, making it easy for us to entirely give up. His advice is to choose the easiest one, the one you're most confident in, or the one you feel is the least big deal. After, we can apply the behavior model in reverse to change the habit. Any element of motivation, ability, and prompt can all change behavior. Fogg's research shows that the optimal path to ending a specific habit begins with a prompt. Fogg teaches us three ways to redesign prompts. They are removing prompts, avoiding prompts, and ignoring prompts. 
the easiest is to remove the prompt, and the best way to do it is to redesign your surroundings. For example, if you want to prevent yourself from playing on your phone, consider turning it off, turning on airplane mode, or turning off the corresponding app notifications. If the prompt cannot be removed, consider circumventing the prompt. For example, don't go to places that prompt undesirable habits. Don't approach people who give you prompts or allow others to give you prompts in your environment. And avoid using social media apps that have prompts. If some prompts cannot be avoided, choose to ignore them. This method requires a certain amount of willpower, requires you to work hard to overcome temptation, and thus may not be a good method in the long run. Lastly, we can use the following tools to solve the problem from the ability aspect. We need to reduce our ability to execute the bad habit we wish to remove. Specifically, this includes increasing the required time and physical strength to execute the behavior. For example, to prevent eating ice cream while watching TV, don't keep ice cream at home. This way, every time you feel the urge to eat some, you will be forced to go out to buy it. This process is time-consuming and requires physical effort, so you may give up eating them altogether. You can also increase the costs involved, such as buying the most expensive ice cream, further encouraging you to eat ice cream less often. Increasing the required brain power involved in carrying out bad habits is also a good way. For example, if you want to reduce the use of social media, you can design a very complex login password for it and cancel the automatic saving. In this way, every time you log in, you need to consume a lot of brain power, which can reduce the frequency of your usage. A final option to consider is to make habits conflict with our schedule. One of the priorities on Fogg's schedule is surfing at dawn. To implement this schedule, he must eat dinner and go to bed earlier. As a result, some bad evening habits are forced to be removed. If prompts and ability-related methods don't work, you can also change behavior by adjusting motivation. The best way to adjust motivation is to reduce motivation, such as reducing the motivation to stay in bed late in the morning by going to bed earlier at night, reducing the motivation to eat unhealthy food at parties by eating healthy food in advance, and reducing the motivation to play with your phone by turning the phone screen into grayscale, because colors that aren't bright don't get the brain as excited. Another way is to add disincentives, such as announcing on social media you are quitting smoking or telling a friend you will give him $1,000 if you smoke again. But Fogg doesn't recommend using this method as it will lead to self-criticism if you fail. Consider carefully based on your circumstances if you want to use this one. The third stage of behavior change is to focus on swapping the old habit for a new one. You can use this method when none of the previous two stages are useful to you. This method requires you to first identify the habit you want to stop and the new habit to replace it. You can still use the swarm of behaviors technique to identify two specific habits. However, you need to be careful about the selection of new habits. Don't choose a new habit because it's good for you. Otherwise, the substitution won't work. For example, replacing your habit of reading political news with filing paperwork will probably not work, because the new habit of filing paperwork is much lower in terms of both ability and motivation than reading the news. So, the new habit should be one of higher motivation and easier to execute than the old one. For the old habit of reading the political news, Fogg chose to watch surfing videos instead, because he loves surfing and wants to improve his surfing skills. Fogg's behavior model is also of great help when it comes to helping people around you to change behaviors. 
In our efforts to bring healthier, more harmonious, and meaningful lives to the people around us, we sometimes need to, for example, help family members create healthy eating plans or help colleagues solve work efficiency problems. Many times, due to improper methods, the results often backfire and damage the relationship between the two parties. However, change is easier with the FOG behavior model, whether it be on an individual level or a group level. The same seven steps we mentioned above can be used to change a group, with slight differences in practice. The first step is identifying shared aspirations. Put forward the goals you want to achieve as a family, such as eating more fresh fruits and vegetables, and get everyone's consent. The second step is to explore behavioral options together. Using the magic wanding method and the swarm of behaviors technique described in part 2 can get everyone to think about behaviors that can fulfill the shared goal. The third step is to pinpoint the group's golden behavior. Use the focus mapping to lead people together to identify impactful, easy-to-do, or most motivated behaviors. The fourth step is to make golden behavior easy to do for everyone. Find out the difficulties that each person may encounter in the implementation, and then solve them in a targeted manner. The fifth step is to find the prompts for the golden behavior. Earlier we mentioned that the three types of prompts are personal prompts, contextual prompts, and action prompts. At this time, you only need to choose the most effective form of prompting for the group. This sixth step is to celebrate successes. Use the methods described earlier to allow individuals to shine for their behaviors, or to be the initiator of celebrating each success. The seventh step is to eliminate obstacles together. Identify impediments in execution and continually refine and repeat behaviors. That wraps up part three. We learned that we can use the FOG behavior model in reverse to change behavior, cultivate new habits or replace them with new habits to make changes. We can also follow the steps designed by FOG to change the behavior of others or a group.